0: pause this time because I didn't pause last week and it was so rude of me
1: well I and feel like I... some sometimes you do and sometimes you don't so I was like I don't know <laughs> if I should say it or if I should wait uh yeah I still
0: don't know which one I'm supposed to do <laughs> <laughs> uh but welcome to another episode of Tacos and To I am Peyton I'm Sydney And we have something a little different and a little fun, I personally think, this week for you guys. It's Um, a lot of fun. Yes. I can say that because it's a true crime case. But it's different because there's no murder.
1: (laughs) So it is a little fun. But it still fits the, the, the true crime aspect of it so I was you know it was one of those things when you mentioned it to me I was like why didn't we do this why haven't we done anything like this prior like I feel like we kind of focused on like the murder specific items but it didn't have to be that way um I agree I absolutely agree we did
0: the disappearance one too I -hmm. think um but we've done a lot of like most of our true crime has been murders and I saw this case when I was obviously Googling ideas of good case ideas. (laughs) And I thought it was kind of fun and different. So here we are. (laughs) Broaden our horizons. Yeah. I have nothing else to add. Do you have anything to add or should I just jump right into it? No, you can jump right in, Peyton. Okay. On September 12th, 1997, six men robbed the Dunbar Armored Depot facility on Mateo Street in Los Angeles, California. Their total haul would be $18.9 million, which would be the largest cash robbery in the history of the United States. Although the criminals were smart and efficient, this case would be eventually solved and justice would be served. So kind of getting into the background. Uh, Alan Pace the 3rd, he worked for Dunbar as a regional safety inspector in 1997 in the Los Angeles area. Dunbar company specialized in armored car services and the LA location was a depot for these cars, so. Basically, there were a bunch of cars parked there at all times. They worked to transport money to and from the banks or ATMs and handled keeping the money safe as well. So this location did store a large amount of cash here and that was mostly intended for ATMs within the L.A. area. Fun fact, just on like a side note, when I was doing the research, I did see that Dunbar Armored in 2018 was purchased by Brinks, but it was previously more of, like, an independent company or, in some areas, associated with the Loomis company. For me, Sid, I don't know about you, but, like, I see Brinks cars all the time. I've never seen, like, a Dunbar or Loomis, really. It's usually just Brinks.
1: Same, I would say Brinks, I see Brinks the most often. I knew what Dunbar was, though, but I didn't know, like, I don't think I had, like, seen it on the streets. I feel like I saw it in, like, a movie or something. Like That's I, fair. <laughs> but I don't think I've ever seen, like, a truck driving down the street that said Dunbar on the side.
0: I was, like, listen or not listening, obviously looking into this, and I was like, oh, it kind of like Brinks. And then yeah. one of the articles I came across, I was like, oh, it is Brinks
1: now. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the trucks, though, too, like, are just very obvious. Like, they all look the same. Like, you know what they are just seeing a truck like that, no matter what the label is on the side of it.
0: A (laughs) hundred percent.
1: So, Alan
0: Pace and his job with the company, he must have gotten, you know, pretty bored. (laughs) And there was a lot of cash lying around. So, he decided he had time to not only examine the company's Los Angeles armored car depot, but to really study and photograph the facility. He knew the floor plans and camera locations. He also knew the shift changes and what days and times the place was most vulnerable. These were things he studied and kept records of to a T for quite a long time. However, on September 11th, 1997, Pace was fired from his job due to tampering with company vehicles. I will say in a couple articles it said there was never a real confirmed reason. There was another potential reason in some articles, but this was like the biggest one as they said he was um, tampering with company vehicles, so I'm not 100%. I did also see that Ellen Pace's girlfriend was employed at Dunbar as well, but she had been fired a few months prior. At this point though, when Alan Pace was fired and and let go from this job, he had already orchestrated this robbery and had it in place for quite a long time. There were already solid plans in place and he had enlisted the help of five of his friends. Eric Damon Boyd, Eugene Lamar Hill Jr., Freddie Lynn McCrary Jr., Terry Wayne Brown Sr., and Thomas Lee Johnson. It was a lot of junior seniors, the thirds, all in one place. It really stressed me out. Just had to share. <laughs> but like I said, at the time of Allen being fired, He already had these plans in motion. So on Friday, September 12th, 1997, the six men gathered at a house party which would help them establish their alibis. I saw some reports this house party was in Long Beach and they showed their faces, joked around with people, but avoided any alcohol. The group then left the party around midnight and headed to the Los Angeles facility where Pace was able to use his keys to access the building. Also, another side note, um, I did write originally, like, interesting. You'd think when he was terminated the day before, they would require his keys back. But I also saw in another article that potentially it was his supervisor's keys that he had stolen. But I really just want to emphasize, I only saw this in one article. I could not confirm it. All they know is he did use keys to the facility that he had. It's suspected that they were his keys. uh, But I just wanted to throw that out there because it might be someone else's.
1: Another thing, I guess, with that, because that was like a red flag for me, too. um, But I was thinking, and especially like when this was taking place, like I feel like right now, like there's a lot of keys where you can't like make copies of them. Like it says, like, do not duplicate. But I feel like that wasn't as common, like, at one point. Like, I don't remember ever seeing a key like that until, like, recently. So, like, maybe he just made copies of them. Like, he already had this plan. So, like, he didn't I was going to say
0: that's really fair because I don't think
1: I've ever seen a key that says do not... I didn't until I moved into my apartment. And it says do not duplicate on one of them. But we still duplicated it. But we had to do it like mach- a machine. Like if we would have went to like just the Ace Hardware or whatever. They wouldn't have done it for us. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say.
0: I know there are machines where you can kind of do it yourself now too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. So that, that was something I thought too. Like maybe he duplicated the keys. So I'm not sure. Because... N- it's never really confirmed, <laughs> but it was a red flag for me, too. I literally wrote, like, interesting, especially being, like, an armored truck depot and, like, having all this money on hand. Your security, yeah. even in 97, like, if you're terminated, I'm guessing they would immediately require their, like, security badge and, like,
1: keys and all uniforms and all of that back. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, well, but, two, I guess... Just to look at all sides of it. It could have been, maybe he was like, I don't know. I feel like normally people are like, yeah, let's take it right away. But, it, oh, I don't have that item on me or something. Like, if he got called in on a different day, like, I'll bring it on Monday. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. So, and I don't, I don't know either.
0: <laughs> We're kind of here speculating some of this, but. Lots of speculation
1: right but now. But <laughs> it is known
0: he used a set of keys to get into the building. <laughs> Pace had already provided the group with the floor plans, camera locations, ski masks, pistols, a shotgun, and radio headsets so they could remain in contact at all times. He had even timed the security cameras and figured out how they could be mostly avoided to not trigger any warnings or detections. And he knew Friday nights were ideal since the vaults were left open due to the large quantities of money that were being moved in and out these nights. Once inside, the group waited inside the staff cafeteria and ambushed the guards as they took their lunch breaks at about 1230. The group of men were armed and forced the security guards on the ground where they bound their hands and feet with duct tape to prevent them from leaving. Since the vaults were left open, there also was two additional vault guards stationed to man this area. I saw that, like, their protocol was that there were supposed to be two people there at all times, and they could not leave unless someone else was there to relieve them. So they were not in the cafeteria. The group was able to rush these two vault guards as well and subdue them without signaling any alarms or firing any shots. They left them tied up with duct tape, lying face down on the ground, just like they did with the security guards in the cafeteria. The group of six men used bolt cutters to cut padlocks in the vaulted area and managed to load up $18. dollars into a U-Haul truck that had been backed up to one of the loading docks. They were in and out of this facility in only a matter of 30 minutes. Alan Pace knew which bags would contain the highest denominations of money and the non-sequential bills, which would be ideal for not getting them caught. Those would be the ones that, like, would be distributed in ATMs. And so he already knew how they were marked or where they were located in the vault. The group obviously went for these bags first, which to help them get such a large cash haul in such a short period of time. The eighteen point nine million dollars they were able to get away with in nineteen ninety seven is roughly equivalent to thirty two point seven million dollars. Now I did the inflation calculator myself on like three different websites to be sure that that was correct. (laughs) Uh, Cause that's a lot of fucking money. (laughs) On the way out, Pace also grabbed the recording devices for the security cameras since he knew where they were located. This helped leave even less evidence. After the group left, they returned to the house party where they previously were and continued their alibi because they were only gone for a small amount of time. One of the security guards that was tied up managed to free themselves not long after the robbers left and was able to call 911. Like I said, the group left almost no evidence and this did not help out the investigation at all. According to reports, it was the LAPD and actually the regional FBI office that were involved in this, like right off the bat. The only real evidence left behind to help the investigation was a plastic taillight lens in the loading dock, which eventually, when they would send to an FBI lab, would match a U-Haul truck, but that was really it. The security guards were interviewed immediately and disclosed that there were five men inside at all times, but they did hear the motor of a car or truck start up outside. So the investigators were able to include conclude there were at least six people involved, one being the getaway driver. It is later confirmed that it was Eugene Hill, who was the getaway driver, and he was never in the building. He sat in the U-Haul truck. There was also really no physical descriptions that were able to be given for any of the robbers. They wore dark ski masks the whole time, dark clothing that covered up their whole bodies. So there was no like, oh, tattoos or obvious markings to their like give them away. The only thing that they gathered was that four of the men inside were African-American and one other was possibly Hispanic, according to the witnesses. But that's it. That's like really all they had to go on. On this investigation. However, they really did feel like it was an inside job. I mean, to be fair, the group was very quick and efficient, so they had to have some sort of inside knowledge into how this facility would work and how to get it done so quickly. Investigators did look into Alan Pace right away since he was recently terminated, but they could find literally nothing pointing to him or his involvement. I also want to mention that in a couple articles, I did see that in the investigation and like the search of the facility they also saw that one of the doors had like like it looked like crowbar marks where someone tried to use a crowbar to access the door and it was never opened or something like that later on it's determined that that was done to throw off investigators (laughs) to see if like oh well they didn't have keys or anything they clearly we're trying to access the door. Uh, and in investigators did, were a little confused by it, but it didn't really, like, keep them hanging on that too long because they were pretty honed in on the fact that it had to be an inside job
1: somehow. It's definitely a good little thing to, for them to throw out there, though. Like, yeah, we got in with uh, just a regular old key, <laughs> but here's some crowbar marks to keep you guys wondering. I also just think it's interesting too because it definitely seems like an inside job and they looked at him right away but like for me it's like he was gonna do it whether he got fired or not <laughs> he's like been planning this and orchestrating this this entire time yeah so it would have been <laughs> interesting to see I guess how it played out if he still would have been an employee like
0: I agree because some of the article said he had been planning it for years mm-hmm. I don't know if it was really years or have been like six months to a year but he was set on like this is what is going to happen and when they were looking into employees like I've I've read some tidbits about the investigation itself and they were still also interviewing employees who weren't working that day yeah <laughs> Like, weren't scheduled to work that day. So, they were still looking into current employees. But, like, Alan Pace was mentioned multiple times because he was fired within the last, like, 24 hours, 48 hours of that robbery.
1: Which definitely seems shady.
0: Yeah. I do also want to note it mention, because I think this is kind of funny. It's not funny, but it is kind of funny, <laughs> in my opinion. So... One of the security guards apparently had come to investigators, like, a few weeks after the robbery and told them, you know, like, hey, the guy who was, like, seemed like the ringleader of the group, I really recognize his voice. But, like, I can't figure out where it's from. And I know it. Like, I, I'm i pretty sure he's an employee or I, like, used to work with him. I'm not sure. So, they did, like, a photo lineup for her with, like, a bunch of pictures of men that either worked there or previously worked there. And she picked out a man who was also recently terminated. And the investigators were, like, honing in on him for a second. But he had a solid alibi and he was in, like, New Orleans or something that night. (laughs) But I thought that was kind of funny, and so, like, they tried to go back to her, and she was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, she was like, I know the voice, but, like, I don't know who it is.
1: <laughs> That's funny. That It's, like, a, a coincidental, too, that it happened to be another, like, employee that you said terminated, like, yeah, that wasn't I, working there anymore. Yeah, they said he had recently been terminated, like, a month before or something like that. Well, like, with a photo lineup, how the hell does that help? They would need, like, a voice box line lineup.
0: That's what I'm saying. And, like, some people, I'm good with voices. Like, <laughs> I, like, could be in the kitchen and the TV's on and I'll be like, oh, I know that actor. Oh, I know that actress. Like, and if I saw pictures, like, yeah, I could pick it out. But, like, people that I, like, coworkers or stuff like that. I don't think that could I could have done that <laughs> no especially with like that facility's huge so I'm sure you have a lot of employees
1: yeah like if it's someone that you worked with closely that'd be one thing but if it's just someone you like you've talked to in passing or like it says hello to you here or there and like you see randomly like there's no way it would have to be like a literally <laughs> a voice box with the photo
0: that's what I'm thinking <laughs> So, the key case basically seemed to go cold to investigators. I guess most of large cash robberies like this do tend to be solved pretty quickly in the US these days, but it was not the case here. The group worked extremely hard to conceal their new wealth, and they even waited six months before they even attempted to launder the money. Once they did start the money laundering process, the group enlisted the help of David Matsumoto. (laughs) Such a fun last name. (laughs) Matsumoto was an immigration attorney in LA, and the group paid both him and his office manager, Joaquin Bin, $1 million apiece for their help. Now, if you're like me, Uh, I actually never really understood the money laundering process. I obviously have read a lot of true crime and all that kind of stuff, but I really didn't understand it until uh, I watched Ozark. So thank you, Netflix (laughs) and slightly breaking bad. Yeah. Slightly, slightly breaking bad. That helped. And Recently, The Sopranos a little. (laughs) But I, like, never got it. I'm like, oh, what the hell? Like, I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me. Like, the process of, like, easily money laundering. So I'm going to break it down for you with what we know in this case. (laughs) Matsumoto basically structured the whole scheme via buying property and cars. And investing in companies and then would write both checks and W-2s for the group of robbers to give the impression that they were earning real wages. So I saw like one person set up a fake company. And supposedly paid this money for this company and then was receiving a $100,000 annual salary. Which like wasn't the case because it wasn't a real company. Uh, But he was getting that money and had the W-2s from that statement. Alan Pace also created his own fake companies in order to launder money out of them. But he had, like, another man help buy the property. So it was under this man's name. I saw, like, they would buy, they would use other people's names and buy, like, foreclosed homes. Super cheap. And then, like, rent out the homes. Or live there themselves and provide with their families and provide like fake paperwork showing tenants and income coming in from the tenants in this home. So it's, I mean, very smart and a lot easier and a lot less likely to get caught doing it through real estate and um, like cars and that kind of stuff back in the 90s. I work in the mortgage industry now. Don't do it now. Uh, (laughs) You will get caught. But (laughs) I'm just saying like it was really interesting to like read that. And Eric Boyd actually also laundered approximately $177,000 through his father's company. Most of the group was laundering money through real estate transactions like I mentioned. And that would actually eventually be the cause of their downfall. Two years after the Dunbar Armored Facility robbery in September of 1999, Eugene Hill would give a real estate broker friend a stack of cash when organizing a real estate deal and like kind of closing the deal. And it was still bound with the original currency, Currency straps are like the money wrapping from the facility that they had robbed. <laughs> so definitely set off some red flags for the broker. Cause they were like, um, very weird. Don't think it would be wrapped in this kind of money unless it came straight for this from the facility. And if that's the case, like it shouldn't be in this man's hands. So he actually contacted the police just to have them look into it, and he wanted to protect himself from any liability. When the police looked into Eugene Hill, they noticed his name was on the list that they had acquired for someone who had rented a U-Haul truck the day prior to the robbery in 97. So, immediately, they're like, this is the break we've been looking for, and they went to arrest him on the grounds of possessing stolen money and interrogate him. They also searched his home when they arrested him, and they did find more of the stolen Dunbar money in his home. Almost immediately, he'll confess when he was interrogated. He implicated not only the other five men involved, including Alan Pace, and obviously said Alan had orchestrated the whole thing, but also three others who assisted in the money laundering process for the group. One by one over the next few months, all of these men were arrested. And some of them went to trial. (laughs) Alan Pace pled not guilty. He even testified again in his own defense and was claiming that he was set up by his friends who were mad at him because he was messing around with one of their wives. That's like literally what he said on the stand. (laughs) Um, It was never proven to be true. And he was convicted and received 20 years in prison in 2001. He served his time at the Federal Federal Correctional Institution in Safford, and he was released on October 1st, 2020 at the age of 52. Eric Boyd received 17 years due to his use of a gun and a prior criminal record in the case Eric and Alan were also the only two of the six that opted for a trial. It came out during Eric's trial when his father testified against him that his son had come to him and asked him to launder the $177,000 through his business and Eric told his father he had gotten the money in a drug deal. Eric's father felt he wanted to protect his son, so he helped him, but not long after doing so, Eric confessed to his father. It was actually the money from the Dunbar Dunbar Armored Depot robbery, so his dad was made complicit in this felony like money laundering charges under false pretenses, and it definitely caused a riff in their relationship. Eric was also released on June 16th, 2015, at the age of 50. The four other men, Eugene, Freddie, Terry, and Thomas, all pled guilty and received sentences between 8 and 10 years. They also agreed to turn state's evidence against Alan Pace and Eric Boyd. Their testimonies helped the two men get convicted, and like I said, Eric and Alan were the only ones who opted for a trial and didn't plead out. Two of the other men who assisted in the money laundering were implicated as well. Like I mentioned, David Matsumoto actually resigned from the state bar during his implication, and later on, both him and his office manager, Joaquin Bin, were indicted on 71 counts of money laundering. And we're sentenced to two and a half years each. I have some fun facts that I do think are kind of important, but I'll I'll only cover the first two and then I'll let you uh, hop in, Sid. <laughs> so it
1: works for me.
0: <laughs> so to this day, it is still the largest cash robbery to have ever occurred in the U.S., and less than half the money was ever recovered. They only recovered about five million dollars. Another roughly thirteen point nine is still accounted for to this day. <laughs> Most of the five million recovered was in the form of cars, homes, and other valuables. When they searched and um, seized their assets, it wasn't necessarily cash. Investigators suspect a good portion was spent in Las Vegas. I guess the group had taken a trip there during that two-year period before everything had come out. Spent a lot of money. I don't think anyone would ever re- could ever realistically spend $13.9 million in a weekend trip in Vegas. But I'm sure they blew through quite a bit of it. And investigators also suspect that some of it was burned to get rid of it before all of them were arrested. Because they were kind of one by one being arrested. So that's what I have on the Dunbar armed robbery case. Do you have anything to add?
1: Um. So I guess one more fun fact and then something that this really reminded me of. So in September of 2020, there was a film that came out, um, Charm City Kings, which was based on this specific robbery. So that that was kind of interesting. I've never seen it, but I was going to say, I had in my notes
0: that there was a movie in the works. I didn't know if it had come out yet or
1: not. Yep. September of 2020. And there's like a bunch of, you can look at the, like the, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is movie picture you know like the film picture yeah there's like a there's that on that but like you can you can click on it and it tells you like where to view it interesting I'm gonna have to check it out yeah Um. this also reminded me though I don't know if you watched Heist on Netflix I didn't but I know you were upset oh, okay. <laughs> so Heist on Netflix I don't want to ruin it for anyone but it's about a robbery of a Brinks truck in like two thousand and five in Miami, I believe. and it plays out a little similar similarly to this, but like way further down the line. It's pretty interesting though interesting. These robberies are not uncommon, I guess you could say like that because that they were continue I guess uncommon during that time period because I don't feel like that's a common thing nowadays. Bank robberies, but do you ever hear about Brink's truck robberies?
0: No, but I feel like I don't even really hear about bank robberies anymore. I haven't heard I of the like like big ones. T- yeah, I think they're like usually like, oh, maybe an attempt. But mm-hmm. they never are very successful nowadays.
1: So I s- would say in my area, we still have them. But they usually end up getting caught <laughs>
0: like within a few right days. Right
1: away, right? But... I feel like there's never been, like, any, like, really – recently, anyway, like, big heists. Like, these crazy things that happen and and they get away with it for years.
0: I feel like most of the heists that are done now are, like, in pairing with, like, hacking or anything online. And that could be more of, like, what we'll see in the future. But I feel like normal bank robbery isn't as, like – super common anymore or like no. at least a massive heist or whatever and even like I know they used to do a lot of like art robberies and things like that which
1: I I'm sure still occur but I don't really hear about that no no I also feel like though I guess now that I'm sitting here thinking about it because like the bank that I go to like you don't even there's not even like a person it's like an ATM thing that you like talk to the person through and then the money gets released that way. So like you can't really rob that because it's not exactly. a person to like give you the money. Like they're not gonna release it. They're gonna be like, all right, I'm gonna call the cops, and they're gonna disappear off the screen. I feel like a lot of people try to steal like ATMs. Yes, uh, yeah. I hear but I also that feel like that's
0: more of like um like an attic thing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like addicts trying to do that. At least like I don't know. I think
1: of Breaking Bad. And it happens in Breaking Bad. So. I also feel like that's something you'd get easily caught with because it's not like you yes. can just take, rip an ATM out of the ground. Like, that's going to take a little bit of work.
0: Yes. So I have no idea. Yeah. I just thought it was super interesting because it's like it was a massive robbery. Massive. And I had definitely never heard of this before.
1: No, I've never heard of it either. It's definitely an interesting case. And the fact that they got away with it for... For, like, a long time. And the whole reason why they didn't was that rookie mistake. A rookie mistake. <laughs> so simple.
0: So dumb. It almost makes me feel like that man had to have had, like, a guilty conscience. And huh. it was, like, his, his, like, maybe making a mistake to, like, get caught. But I have no idea
1: true or if you're just like that like dumb I don't even want to say dumb like just like oh I'm or, gonna get away with it like we've yeah got away or with like brazen that you're gonna get yeah. away with it. why would I get caught now
0: yeah that's true um I also did see that the case was covered in season five of the FBI files in an episode titled the price of greed which I thought was interesting. Um, I've never watched the FBI files.
1: But maybe I'll have to check it out. <laughs> I never even heard of the FBI files, I think, until just now.
0: <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I've really got. Anything else to add, Sid? Did no, you- I don't I don't think I have anything else to add. It was a good one though. I felt like it was kind of fun. I mean, there's like I said, there's no True robbery, or not true robbery, no true, like, murder, injury. I think, like, one news article made a mention that, like, one of the guards was injured, uh, but not severely. But I couldn't find any, like, concrete proof of that. So I'm not really 100%. It appears to me that no one was harmed, and they had no intentions of harming anyone. They literally just wanted the money. Well, and they did it pretty efficiently, in my opinion. <laughs>
1: absolutely.
0: Well, I guess that's all I've got. You got some jokes
1: and facts for us? I do. Ooh. Okay. I think you said you wanted to do facts first, and then we would end with jokes? Yeah.
0: At least we'll keep that up for now. Maybe <laughs> okay. I'll switch
1: it up again. <laughs> All right, so quesadillas originated in the 16th century in northern and central Mexico. 16th century? Yes. I was shook by that. The day I did my research, I had a quesadilla, and I was like, wow, this is wild.
0: That's like 500 years ago.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Holy shit. That They're out there flipping tortillas in half.
0: The U.S. wasn't even formed yet. Wild. Quesadillas have existed longer than the United States of
1: America. I think it's better that way.
0: I'm going to have a breakfast quesadilla tomorrow now because of that. And celebrate the long-lasting heritage.
1: The quesadillas. (laughs) Yes. Live, laugh, quesadilla. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's a good shirt idea. Oh. I'm going to write it down.
1: (laughs) Okay, hit me with the joke. What happens when you spill tequila at a pudding factory? <laughs> what? The proof is in the pudding. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> oh. That's kind of funny. I won't kinda. say it was...
1: I've seen... I you've, won't say it's heard great, better.
0: Yeah, but it was it's up there.
1: <laughs> it did the job.
0: <laughs> and I definitely just added live laugh quesadilla to our shirt ideas. So I love uh, it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, folks, you can find us on Facebook at Tacos and Tequila Podcast. On Instagram, at just Tacos and Tequilia. We also have an up-to-date website, tacosandtakiliapodcast.com, and you can find links to all our episodes, descriptions, sources, and a contact page where you can send us an email for any questions or case suggestions.
1: If you're listening, you should leave a rating and or a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can also leave a rating on Spotify as well. I you know we just recently got another one on Apple Podcasts. That was pretty awesome. Woohoo! I just checked, too. Yeah, I see it. I haven't gotten
0: another one since we last checked on there. But I did also see that we are still currently at five stars on Spotify. Spotify so please if you listen on Spotify give us a five star you don't have to give a comment by any means same thing with Apple podcasts but it really does help us get noticed and helps get our name out there
1: yes and it takes literally two seconds to just click the stars two seconds (laughs) if that you
0: could have done it while I was just saying my last two sentences
1: and if you're already on there anyway, you just scroll to the bottom and hit it. Correct. <laughs> um, and then I know Sid and
0: I talked about it before. Um, oh, last week we were asking the question about messaging us, too, on Instagram versus Facebook. You can message us on either one. Any yes. questions, comments, concerns, case suggestions, we just love hearing from you guys. So we really appreciate it. And am I missing
1: anything, Sid? No, I think that that, that covers everything.
0: I think we got to work on our intro. Still. But I think <laughs> the <laughs> ending's <laughs> always good, but the ending's good. We're killing it at the end guys. <laughs> Ooh. Um, well, that's all we've got then. So check us out on any of those places and we will talk to you next week bye bye <laughs>